1: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano and the Fantasy Viper, Graham Barfield. And uh, guys, we are we are fresh off our live show, which I I think we can call a success, right? Absolutely.
3: It was pretty good. It was fun. It was great to interact with the folks. It was awesome, and Eddie Murphy was there. Eddie Murphy was there. Eddie Murphy was in attendance after his seventy million dollar Netflix deal got <laughs>
1: right, and he, you know he's hosting SNL in December, so it's going to be great. Great. It's great. um, a big thanks to everybody who came out. We certainly appreciate you guys all showing up on a school night to come and hang out with us. Thanks to the Yard House for allowing us to hang out and and host and um, you know, hopefully not interrupt people's dinners too badly. Uh, so yeah, oh, I feel like good. I feel like it's a perfect place for it because Yard House is kind of like a, just an open
2: generic right. Big open uh, restaurant, so I don't think we bothered. It
1: to was me. fun. Dude. I don't think so. So, uh,
3: and I think people had a good time. So
1: the feedback has been good. So hopefully that means we are able to uh, do another one sometime in the very near future. Uh, we got a big show today. We got plenty to talk about, but uh, before we get too deep into it, we have a special guest in the studio with us. Normally we have people on the phone. Today we have a guest in studio. Uh, if you if you play fantasy football, if you follow anything on fantasy Twitter, you are aware of this man. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at. Die Hard. You can hear him on Sirius XM. He is uh, one of the good, smart people in this industry, friend of the pod, friend of us all here individually, and we're glad to have him in person. Bob Harris, welcome to the show. Man. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. And Bye I it. listened
4: to the, the pod for the live pod was my listening uh, choice on the flight in. And it was delightful. Sound like you guys had a great time. I'm sorry I missed it in person. Yeah. Now,
2: Bob, I, how much are you missing our Game of Thrones recaps?
4: Uh, that is probably look, I miss a lot of things that you guys have done on the side. Marcus knows I'm probably the biggest <laughs> fan of his <laughs> night, soccer, night Stalker. Uh, re- review and preview and overview, uh, and uh, the Iron Throne thing was it was great. I, I look forward to it every week. It was the first thing I listened to after I watched the show. So, uh, so Bob would DM me
2: like I think you DM me at least oh three yeah. or four times, and he'd be like, "Yeah, I just love oh, yeah. your Game of Thrones recap."
4: Yeah, and I was like, "At
1: least somebody's listening to People it." People were listening to it. I yeah. got I got a lot of responses, including from Bob. So that that made me feel yeah. good about uh, you know us wasting time with that during the off season. We had nothing else. We had not. nothing else. Totally solid <laughs> takes too. I mean, you
4: had that going for you. But that's not always the case, but in this case, it was. Um and and I enjoyed it immensely and I I did I thought the live thing came off really well you guys it was uh, cool well, thank uh, you active crowd and involved yeah. and uh, just everything you'd want to have you.
3: so Bob is in town to uh, host the Allison Chains Celebrity Draft which is occurring tomorrow at Jerry Cantrell's house it airs from one to four Pacific. On Sirius XM. 4 to 7 Eastern. 4 to 7. I live on the left coast. We
1: we live on the west coast. I live on the left coast. 4 to 7
3: Eastern, (laughs) 1 to 4 Pacific. Uh, I'm going to be there. The Miz is going to be there. Jeff Garland will be there. Jerry Cantrell obviously will be there. Uh, Bob Harris will be there. And we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, Also, just to plug something for myself real quick. Friday... Allison Chains is playing at the Irvine Amphitheater with Korn. I'm going on tour with Allison Chains and I'm going to be documenting everything on my social media. I'll be going on the tour bus with them from Irvine to Phoenix, have backstage access, everything. And I don't know that there's going to be a lot of debauchery going on in the bus because this is not 1992. It's going to be a lot of good, clean, fun talking football, talking metal. So if you want to check that out, uh, go to my Twitter at Michael underscore Fabiano. Going to be a fun week, my friend. Can
1: I make a request on your trip from Irvine to Phoenix? Don't come
3: back. Uh, well, I mean, besides, don't that. you say that, Marcus? Uh, I no, was actually, joking. my, my any
1: like thought about it for a second. My request, honestly, is if you guys could stop off in Quartzsite, Arizona, right? Just across the border. Uh, there's a giant beef jerky stand there. So oh, my God, find some <laughs> some quality jerky. Uh, I would certainly appreciate that. Text me that. Sound yeah, good. Figure. Yeah, Text man. Yeah. Uh, Quartzite. It's just literally, it is, I think it's just a like rock and gym kind of mining town. There's usually like RVs because there's like a perpetual you know gym show going on, I think, across the freeway. And then there's just like a little stand, like a gas station and like beef jerky. It's pretty great. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We got plenty to talk about. There is news that has happened that we will talk about. I know for a lot of you, uh, it is it is still draft season. A lot of you will be doing drafts, maybe as you're listening to this, uh, certainly this weekend and even into next week. So we'll kind of give you our last minute draft guide, you guys to avoid uh, guys that we are down with no matter what guys to take a dart throw on. Uh, Plus, we'll do our our hard knocks recap. Episode four of five aired last night. So uh, we will talk about that as well. But before we do all of that, we'll go behind the glasses we always do, to talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, what's up?
4: I just want to say uh, again about, you know, the live show. Thanks again to Yardhouse. Thanks again to Erica Tamposi and Ryan Barlett for yes, uh, helping yes, out. Yes, thank everyone. I'm not sure if I, I thanked them on uh, on Monday night, but it was a lot of fun. It was a great location. Uh, thank you to all the people who came out, especially people from our NFL media who showed up uh, mm-hmm. a couple tables full over there. Chris Wessling. Yeah, we had a lot of people show up. So it, it was really, really fun. And uh, the feedback that I've gotten that you guys crushed it, and they were very happy at Yardhouse house the bosses here are happy so i i thought it was really an a-plus night
1: yeah no i i really did think it, it went off well you know i i in the back of my mind because i'm always nervous about these sorts of things i was worried that we'd show up and there'd be like three people there and uh, that there would be more of us on the stage than there would be in the audience it was a
3: full house and there was dudes with jerseys yeah. on like yeah. there people was an andrew luck there, yeah. there was a sebastian janikowski there was a Terrell Owens. There was a, I didn't see the Terraloa. Yeah. There, there was a Van Der Esch there. A Van Yeah,
1: so it was good. So it was fun. Uh, again, thank you all for coming out. And uh, hopefully this means we can do one again. Maybe, yeah. maybe even like a mid-season, yeah. a mid-season we award t- sort of we thing. We were talking about mid-season. Like, yeah, do something
2: like
3: that. Yeah. And we, we had five people in the audience who answered trivia questions correctly who are now in our podcast listeners league. We have two more spots available. So make sure you check out our NFL podcast handle today. Uh, Eddie is going to send out two trivia questions 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 and whoever replies with the correct answers first will be our last two participants. There you go. So, uh, yeah, go get on that, actually.
1: Uh, Should be a lot of fun. So in the meantime, let's do some news.
2: Let's
1: do the news. First thing I got to say, I think it's going to be a really good show today. Knock on wood if you're with me. Is this thing actually made of wood, though? I have no idea. It's wood-like material. I have no idea. It's definitely not wood. I have no idea. So so, this is sort of cryptic, sketchy, not fully substantiated news, (laughs) but (laughs) I feel like it's something to talk about, right? There have been hints and allegations and suggestions that maybe, possibly, could be, we'll see. Melvin Gordon might be, possibly, could be, we'll see back for week one. Uh, There have been sort of tweets from several sources around the team. There has been a report uh, from an ESPN reporter who covers the team. Even our own Matt Money Smith, who is the radio voice of the Chargers, sent out a cryptic tweet uh, suggesting that by the end of the weekend, people may be drafting Melvin Gordon in the first round. Uh, so I'll put this to our guest here. Bob, I mean, are we are we excited? Mm. Are we are we skeptical? How are we feeling about this sort of news that's out there? Right We're now? skeptical. I mean,
4: the, you know, the first report was about five days ago. Uh, San Diego, a radio host, former player, um, Rich Ornberger. And, and, it, and it, was, it was really not a lot to hang your hat on, right? And I think the Eric Williams thing from ESPN is a similar situation where he's just projecting a final roster. I don't know what Money Smith knows. <clears throat> I do know I have zero shares of Melvin Gordon because I just just don't know when it's going to happen. And there's a range of guys in that running back that I feel more comfortable drafting right now, knowing what their workload is going to be. So I've kind of been
3: just, I've throttled back completely. But think about if you do have Gordon and you drafted him in the third, fourth round, at this point, you got to be ecstatic. I texted money. Money doesn't know anything. There's no inside information. Basically. I feel like what he's doing is he's maybe hearing some rumblings around and um, he's sort of reading the tea leaves, but I wouldn't be surprised if based on just, you know, how we are in this industry, the overreaction theater on everything, Gordon's (laughs) ADP is going to start moving back. Yeah.
2: To me, the the beat writer report that we saw this morning, it's Wednesday. um, It just kind of seems like unsubstantiated. It's It's a total projection
4: of the final roster. I mean, beyond that, there was nothing to hang your hat on.
2: Right. I mean, for the past three weeks, by all indications, the Chargers and Melvin Gordon have been in a stalemate. And to me, I, I don't think that's that's necessarily changed. I think the Chargers are completely willing and able to go in this season with, with their two guys. They'll go in with Eckler and Jackson, and I, it seems like the two sides are pretty far apart.
4: They won four games without him, two really important games, Kansas City and Pittsburgh, without Melvin Gordon last year. I don't think – that, and their history is not of, you know, caving in these cases. They'll they'll work something out when they can, but, but I think they have a pretty reasonable offer, and it's possible Melvin Gordon feels his value is way more than right.
1: it is. That's sort of what I've taken away from this whole thing. Um, you know – It hasn't worked out where I've where Gordon has kind of fallen to me in a draft where I felt comfortable taking him Uh, selfishly. I took Justin Jackson in a draft recently, so maybe I'd like to get a little bit of value out of that if I could for a couple of weeks. uh, That's just me being selfish right now. So uh, we'll see Uh, the other big holdout running back. Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, There have been rumblings in the last couple of weeks about a deal happening. The Cowboys have certainly put out the fact that they've given him offers. Uh, Zeke doesn't really seem to be saying much in response right now. And now Jerry Jones is saying there's no deadline for contract talks with Ezekiel Elliott. So uh, our resident Cowboy fan here, uh, Michael Fabiano, who is wearing his Cowboy shirt today. uh, I I mean, I will ask you, like, I, I have believed this whole time that a deal was going to get done with Zeke. Uh, Jerry Jones has done a lot of posturing and a lot of bluster. Are we starting to think that maybe
3: they're going to start the regular season without him now? I have said throughout this whole situation that I didn't think he would miss regular season games, but if he did, it would be maybe one or two. And I still kind of feel the same way. I don't know that he would miss more than that. What I don't like is the back and forth where it, maybe it's gotten a little personal because Jerry had the quote about Zeke who and then Zeke's people came back and said that was a bit of a hurtful comment. Then Jerry comes back and said, I've earned the right to joke around about a Ze- about Zeke. And I wonder if it's personal for the Joneses, too, mm-hmm. because they have fought the good fight for Zeke during these situations where he's been suspended. There's been issues with him off of the field. H- have, have they helped him find it? I don't know. But this situation here to me seems like maybe it's getting a little personal where the Joneses are like, we backed you. We've done all of this for you. And you've got two years left on your deal and you're doing this to us now. now and Zeke is thinking, well, Zeke, who I'm the best running back in the league, you're not going to get very far with Tony Pollard. And that's why it's, it's gotten it's getting a little messy. And to me right now, I feel like there's a better chance obviously, that he's going to miss regular season games. Now, Graham, that's
1: disappointing. I mean, Graham, it's, it's very possible. You look at the start of the schedule, right? They've got the Giants. They've got they got Washington. They've got the Dolphins. There's a very good chance that even without Zeke, this team could start 3-0, and which sort of, I think, takes the pressure off the Cowboys to make a deal, right?
2: Yeah, their, their schedule is just absolutely cake. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about a last-minute draft guide and why I'm all in on Dak Prescott for that reason. The schedule is just gorgeous. I, I'm still taking Zeke at, like, 5 or 6 overall, but we, we've had this discussion a number of times. Off the show, it's like, if you... It just comes matter. It comes down to a matter of your risk tolerance as a player, right? If you're sitting on the board at fifth and you don't feel comfortable taking Zeke, that is completely fine, right? Fourth, fifth, overall, you have those options with David Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, even Travis Kelsey. You can move up the board and take. So, it, if you're on the board at four or five and you truly are not a risky player, I mean, there's there's options for you
1: yeah I think that's kind of the biggest thing me I'm a risky player I'm so you' you um, you're gonna well, I saw I saw a, a tweet uh it was either I don't know if it was from Sigmund Bloom or a tribute to Sigmund Bloom but basically he's like you you know you can't win a league by, by swinging for singles and doubles. Right, uh, exactly. That, you know, hey, yeah. take those chances.
3: And, I mean, honestly, like, if we knew if we knew that Zeke was going to miss two games to start the season, would you still draft him fourth overall, fifth yep. overall? So Absolutely. I would, uh, yeah. I would, and that's expectant- the
4: thing. Fant- you know, even season-long fantasy football is still a weekly game, right? You have field in the best lineup every week. And for the majority of the season, you're going to have the best running back on the field or one of the best running backs on the field. I feel like there's two things at play here. One, the public portion of negotiations are always the most contentious, it seems. Yep. I mean, people are talking trash right up until the minute they're hugging and you know <laughs> popping the champagne, which is one of my concerns with Gordon. Look, we haven't heard anything since his agent said he was disrespected by a $10 million offer. That's right. over a month ago, right? We've heard zero, not even contentious to talk. You know, it's just been silenced. Here, at least we have both sides. Feelings hurt, working, grinding through it. This is a process. It's a painful process. But I heard when Jerry Jones talked today, he said two things. He said, oh, we're willing to sit until, uh, you know, hell freezes over, the playoffs, whatever. But he also then dropped the line. Uh, maybe if I was talking face to face with Zika, we got these agents out yeah. of the way, and Stephen Stephen Jones
2: too. His right. son has been very adamant that they're right. going to get a deal done. I, I still remain like he, you mentioned. If you if he does miss one or two games, I would still take him a fifth overall too, yep. because because it is a weekly game.
3: Yep. This, this, uh, uh, go ahead. To go along with this, <laughs> Tony Pollard is moving up quickly in draft boards. I've been in a couple of drafts since this whole thing has gotten so close to the start of week one. I drafted Pollard last night in a 12 team league in the 10th round. And I saw him in a best ball league get drafted in the eighth round. So Pollard now, even if you get two games out of him. uh, at this point people are, are are starting to move him up their draft boards because of that powerful Dallas offense right
4: I, I'm always averse to paying the handcuff premium right I don't want to mm-hmm. you know you're just there's this artificial inflation for a guy that's a just in case guy in Pollard's case it would be less than a just in case there, there's some actual value there especially with the early season Ross so I'm fine and the price is the premium doesn't seem to go that's going to change the next day or two but
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I would say this I, this this negotiation has felt like sort of like you know middle school or, or early high school where you have your best friend go and hand a note to somebody else that says do you like me um check yes or no right right twitter has sort of been that best friend that's handing the note back and forth uh between between zeke and and jerry jones so whatever uh there is there is talk of a potential trade between the miami dolphins and the houston texans jadevian clowney looks like he may not be much longer for houston and the rumors suggest that coming back the other direction could be Kenyon drake and Kenny stills. So
3: imagine if that happens. This doesn't make
1: any sense. Well, I, I was going to ask you, Graham. I mean, like what, there's so many things about this that sort of make my brain itch. I don't really know where to start, <laughs> uh, but let's, for the fantasy purposes of it, talk about, you know, what it means. If Kenyon Drake right. somehow gets out of Miami and lands in Houston, first and foremost, Chris Greer, the dolphins GM, in, in my opinion, has
2: done up to this point, a great job distinguishing what Mi- Miami's problem is and, and starting a rebuild if they trade for Clowney, trade picks for Clowney, trade players for Clowney, to me, I just, that would kind of signal that they are truly not committed to a rebuild. I would be very surprised if Clowney gets flipped. But yeah, I I think there's a legit chance Kenny Stills gets traded. And I think that that would be a fun uh, fantasy piece to go to. It's just, there's like at least six to seven teams that could use him.
3: Houston doesn't need a wide receiver. I mean, number one, they could use a running back, obviously, but yeah, I mean, Stills, but if he goes, what if he goes back to New Orleans? How highly hi, <laughs> how highly would you draft Parker or Wilson at that point? <sighs>
4: how highly are you drafting them now? Yeah. Right. I right. guess that's, that's the question, right? <laughs> right? I mean, but they're Stills, freebies as it is. But Stills
3: right? is, is I think, the favorite. He's the guy that most people are drafting first from Miami's wide receiver yes. course, right? Probably so. I mean, so you, you, I mean somebody's and, got to catch the damn football in Miami, right?
4: He, he and Parker both going off at ridiculously low prices for the obvious reason. But, the, you know, the, if you think about it for a minute, Nobody's going to have more favorable game scripts on a regular basis than yeah. Miami. They're yep. going to be... Uh, but, and it's a matter of if it's, if it's Fitzpatrick throwing the ball. Well, He can do that. I've been, I've been digging both Wilson and Stills
2: super late. Yeah two reasons really i mean ryan fitzpatrick has targeted his slot receivers at basically the highest rate in the nfl in, in over the course of his career and stills and wilson are both primary slot receivers they're both speed guys that get moved in the slot quite often but if stills were to get moved i, I think albert wilson uh desi his favorite player <laughs> uh clearly certainly certainly actually would have some some weekly fantasy chops but right now i mean this this dolphins team is going to be real bad and they're going to spread out their targets and I just don't have a lot of faith that any of these guys are gonna be worthwhile for fantasy purposes every week.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that's that's sort of if Stills gets moved
2: though, that could definitely get changed. That could definitely change.
1: Yeah. And also I I go back to what you sort of said, Graham, too. Like I don't I don't really get what the Dolphins are doing. Either you're rebuilding or you're adding Jadevian clowney. The, the two things don't seem to work right. and together. It, it, let's say like Clowney's in the final year of his deal, right?
2: And if they don't pay him, what are you going to do? So he right, Jv uh, Clowney helps you win one or two more it, games this year, and then you're going to let him walk and get paid again. Like I, I, that just doesn't I feel
4: make like sense. what you said is total. I mean, if just you know, starting with the coaching hire, I mean, this is a team. This is a club that's building from the ground up. They're you know they know nothing is going to happen for them imminently, and so they're working on all kinds of things for down the road. This doesn't make sense in that regard.
1: Uh, news out of the Bay Area, Jerry. McKinnon reportedly has had another flare-up with his surgically repaired knee, and the response does not sound encouraging. Kyle Shanahan does not seem encouraged by this whole thing. Uh, I mean, Bob, I know that we have, I think as a group, sort of been trending toward Matt Breida over the last month or so. I feel like this just sort of solidifies Matt Breida as that number two running back now in San Francisco. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I mean, everyone who's
4: been drafting Tevin Coleman, you know, who is no longer getting him at... At reasonable prices, those sixth and seventh and eighth round days are over, right? And and I think that I think there's some reason to hang your hat on Coleman. I mean, this past success with Shanahan, the 11 touchdown season 2016, I think is something that you know you you think about when you were. Well, I thought about it when I was drafting him in round eight. I'm not thinking about it as much <laughs> as in round five, but I'm thinking maybe about that with Matt Breida in round eight. And I think you know generally in these running backs the backfields where i feel like it's kind of convoluted i'm going with the cheaper option you know if mm-hmm. i don't see someone with a clear path i think coleman has a clear path yep. i don't know how long he'll keep it though
2: yeah it, this preseason jimmy garoppolo has played uh, over like 40 snaps and, and tevin coleman's been the clear yep. lead he's played 30 snaps to breed 19 with jimmy g and on third downs coleman has sharply outsnapped matt breeda he's he's going to be the, the lead guy here but shanahan has been so um the last five years his backfields have been top 12 in touches per game both of these guys are going to get touches i actually think because running back kind of drops off after like the 20th or so guy, there's a chance Brita finishes the year, both Coleman and Brita finish the year with top 24 numbers. That is definitely within the realm of possibilities, especially if this Niners offense scores Mm -hmm at a high rate that we're expecting.
3: And let's remember the the Shanahan effect. Shanahan has really produced some very, very good running backs. I mean, hell, he made Carlos Hyde a top 10 running
2: back. Man, I, I miss doing May and June <laughs> ball drafts when Matt Breida was like a 13th round
1: pick. He's, well, I, the, mean, I, know. I mean, think about it. Let's go back to May, though, right, where we were almost... Uh, paralyzed with fear to touch anybody in this backfield because we had no clue at the it's time. True. I mean, like there was no clarity. We, we knew Coleman was there. We knew Breida was there. We knew McKinnon was there. I mean, we were even wondering like what happens with Jeff Wilson, and, right. like, Raheem Mostert, you know, those kind of guys. So the fact that we have sort of whittled it down, uh, I think is a testament to kind of, you know, the, I know we overreact to every little bit of news, but I think in this situation, it sort of worked for us. So, um, last little bit of news here. Um, there is talk right now, uh, this is a story in The Athletic, kind of going through all the different teams and some of their big situations. Uh, looking at A.J. Green, and the talk is week three would be a best-case scenario for him for to return. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, as somebody who, who got A.J. Green for $14 in an auction draft as his third wide receiver, <laughs> week three for him coming back would be grand in my world. But that's Best case, best case scenario. I mean, so, I mean, look, look, we haven't heard much since what a a month or so ago when they said he was going to miss some time. And at that time, Zach Taylor said, uh, you know, we're talking about halves of seasons. Like we want to have him for the second half of the season sort of thing. Uh, I mean, where, where are we
3: taking him? What are we doing with AJ Grinks? I feel like we haven't talked about this in a while. Yeah, we haven't because it's been a while since he went down with the injury. But let's keep in mind that third week of the season, best case scenario. Where's the worst case scenario? Like, is that half the season? And we're also talking about a dude who has now had several lower leg injuries over the last couple of seasons, and that's problematic to me. I have him... Out of my top 30 wide receivers. Wow.
2: Yeah, I'm, I, he's on my top 30 borderline, too. and we're, we're we'll He's talk, right outside of it, yes. Yeah, we're, we're about to talk players. We're, we're not drafting, and A.J. Green is, is one of them for me. The other the other flip side of this, too, is like if... <laughs> nice. Yeah, Bav just showed me. He's got A.J. Green on <laughs> his list, too. <laughs> um, the other flip side of this, too, is like the AFC North is very, very good division. I mean, we're expecting the Browns, Steelers, and Ravens to push for playoff spots, right? If the Bengals go into like, let's say, week four or five and A.J. Green's not back... What are the chances they just kind of take it even easier on him? Right. No, I mean he's he's dealt with, as Fab's mentioned, so many injuries of the last couple of years. The Bengals, if they're not competitive,
4: it's just it's just not a situation I'm trying to buy in on. So I mean, there's a couple layers to this. One is the redheaded stepchild versus red rocket guy thing, <laughs> right? I mean, we don't know which quarterback showing up on any given week in Andy Dalton. But I mean, by the same token, I mean I can remember you know telling the world to uh, dial back on A.J. Green going into a primetime game against the Ravens last year when he caught, what, three touchdowns in the first seven seconds or yeah. something along those lines. So, I mean, he's still capable of those spike games. But we also project a little bit because any coach who's worked with Sean McVay is obviously going to go somewhere wherever he goes and propagate that amazing offense, and it's going to happen right away. That's our hope, right? And we and we draft that a little bit. And I think with Green, that's maybe some of that hope is that. Just like we you know draft, you know, I mean, Josh Gordon, he's a thing. I get it. <laughs> but we're still chasing that one season, right? Uh, so we yeah, what, tread lightly because Graham loves him some Josh Gordon. I love it's not going to be that one season again. The thing yeah. is
3: like with Gordon, it's not about being prone to injuries. It's not about right. the fact that he won't produce because he will. I mean, last year he was averaging right around 12 points per game. It's about whether or not he has those personal demons yeah. that creep back up and cause him to miss more.
2: And A.J. Green, for what it's worth, I mean, when he's been on the field the last three, four years, he's been a difference maker. Top eight in like points per game, targets, receptions. I mean, he's been the same guy when he's on the field. It's just now there's so many questions, not only about his injury, but about this Bengals team that, that might not be super competitive.
1: Yeah, so that's one. Like I said, I I got him in an auction league in our Kings Classic auction draft for $14, 14, $14, which is great. He's my third wide receiver, so if he comes back, I feel like I'm on top of the world. If not, I haven't really invested a whole lot in it, so I I feel okay about it. So there you go. That is pretty much everything you need to know.
0: But that was the
1: news all right so we know that a lot of you are drafting now drafting soon uh, looking for some last minute advice so here we are this is what we're doing here we're giving you our last minute draft guide but i've broken down into three categories one guys that you can't you just can't do it you can't draft them at, at all costs you're avoiding them uh, we got our ride or die players so we'll do, do the you know quarterback we rec- see uh, running back receiver tight end and then our dart throws those guys at the very end of the draft maybe the last pick in the draft would have you that you are, are giving them a shot because because, hey, maybe this thing works out and they end up uh, you know doing something for you. Um, so here we go. Let's start. The, the, the last, the, the can't do it guys, the guys that, that you look at and no matter where it is in the draft, you just, for whatever reason, you just can't pull the trigger on them. Uh, I'll start at the far end of the table, Graham. You, you sort of you sort of hinted at it already. So just let you you go on your, your A.J. Green here.
2: Right. It's just one of those things where he's still going fifth, sixth, seventh round of drafts. And in that range, there's just so many... Uh, p- not only potential difference makers, but just weekly starters, and, and we have this kind of vague injury timeline that the Bengals have given us. That it's a you know best case scenario. He's back by week three, from a beat writer. Zach Taylor's kind of said some some basically mixed comments. One thing I'm really trying not to do this year is to buy players at an injury, a perceived injury discount. And to, to me, I, I don't think Green's injury discount is deep enough to fully warrant a
1: like just going all in on him.
3: Mm-hmm. all right
1: uh I know because you you also said the same thing about AJ green right yep.
3: yeah I, I'm on board there too um you know if this was like a new injury I'd be like oh, okay you know what it happens but these lower leg injuries yep. have been problematic for AJ so um I'm on board there my list includes some players that I will never get because of where they're being drafted so it's not that I'm avoiding them it's just that I'm avoiding them based At that on price I, there's I will not have Patrick Mahomes in any leagues as disappointing as that sounds I'm not so a lot of people in home leagues, they'll take them. God bless you. I will say I'm this. not doing it. I did it. I,
1: you know, because we, you know, as we, I we, did we, it. we do I so do, we do so many drafts. Right. <laughs> and at some point it, it becomes fun to try things that are a little bit different, that are a little outside the box. Sure. So I, I took Patrick Mahomes in a third round just cause I want to see how this, in i like, we're still, it's a slow draft. So we're sort of, we're still building this team and I, you know. Mixed feelings about it so far, but I'm just kind of curious how this thing works out right now. So, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I I will say I've done uh, way too many drafts this year. I've took I've taken Patrick Mahomes once and it was in the fourth round and I instantly regretted it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, still, I took him over Chris Godwin. And I was just like, why did I do that? It's just it, there's 50, 60 players that you could argue that are just more valuable because of scarcity I mean, I know this grinds your gears, Marcus, but because of scarcity, look, I understand the world we live in. But
1: yes, I'm, I'm like, let's change society. Yes. Right.
4: <laughs> I mean, and I feel that's the thing. You know, we're living in this world where, you know, we're not going to draft a quarterback early and I'm not. I mean, I feel creepy every time I do it because I'm looking <laughs> at the players I'm leaving behind. But in every league out there, people are going to do this now is our, our job is in part to educate those people and try to help them right. better their teams. But look, I get it. I want Pat Mahomes. Well, if you want them, go get them because that's the only way you're getting them.
3: Yeah. And, and if you're, in a league that's competitive where people know what they're doing that pick of Mahomes in the second third round is going to cost you somewhere on that starting lineup so it's going
2: to cost you 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 and i kind of play in a similar fashion i've noticed we we are in my opinion i think we're both kind of value players Mm -hmm. at times one guy that's never on my team strictly because of his values derrick henry I play almost Ah, entirely in PPR leagues, and Derrick Henry always goes in a range that I'm never. I don't have him in one league
1: yet. It's almost like you looked at my sheet here at the players that I'm avoiding because it's Derrick Henry. Sort of for that reason, he doesn't catch the football. It's. It would be one thing if I thought the Titans were going to be great this year, if the Titans were going to go out and win, you know, 12 games or something like that, where he could be that closer at the end of games. But I just think that Deion Lewis is going to continue to sort of be that thorn in the side of Derrick King. Plus, last year, I mean, he we'll was about a spike player, man. Um, you know, I think our, our, our pal Matt Harmon referred to guys like that as Costco players because they score in bulk, right. you know, sort of like that. And that's sort of what he is. Um it's great when you get those 200-yard games. It yeah. sucks when you get those 40-yard games. The Titans cannot go back to getting Deion Lewis
2: the bulk of the carries again. That's not I That's would, not going to happen. happen again. Yeah. But one thing you got to keep in mind with with teams like sure, Derrick Henry's going to get, you know, 15 to 25 carries every game, but how good are the Titans going to be? How often are they going to be in scoring range? Like are we expecting Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill to lead this prolific offense that Derrick Henry's going to get all these tucked, you know, all these opportunities to score inside the 10? It sure he'll get a bulk of the carries. It's just I, I just don't see the huge uh spiked week potential especially when he's going like late third early fourth round there's so many receivers in that range that i like uh significantly more
1: yeah no doubt uh bob who is, is there somebody there you are just,
4: just all out all? i mean there it's kind of like a range of guys or a type of guy well number one melvin gordon will i won't have him somebody else is going to be the hero on that one right <laughs> i mean you get him i'm going to shake your hand and congratulate you when it's all over and, and but but there's this, guys that are kind of similar whether it's Uh, Daryl Henderson, Kareem Hunt, you know, these guys that are going, I think, unusually high. Look, Kareem Hunt's going ahead of Jordan Howard right now, going ahead of Lashawn McCoy. I'm not a big Lashawn McCoy fan. But why? Hey, why? How, how about ahead of Royce Freeman, a guy who I think has a chance to at least maybe be the thing that they drafted him to be last year? I could take a chance on him a couple of rounds after Daryl Henderson, who maybe isn't even the handcuff. Well, okay, not maybe isn't even the handcuff <laughs> who to Todd Gurley if there's going to be an issue. I mean, they paid up to get Malcolm Brown. They matched an offer to keep Malcolm Brown. I think Henderson's going to have maybe a standalone role, but I don't think it's that valuable. still blows my mind that people are spinning legitimate like fantasy draft capital on Cream hunt.
1: Yeah, you want to go Makes ahead and no take eight sense. straight zeros, please. Makes no sense Thank you. at all. <laughs> Just yeah. I, I don't get I and mean, I'm with you, Bob. Like I'm not big on LaShawn McCoy, but he's going to be there. He's to like, He's, he's going got a little to. for
4: some portion
1: of the season, he's gonna have a workload. He's gonna carry me
4: through a week or two. Yeah, he's I, going to we'll, we'll, One
3: other guy, based on like where he's being picked that I'm avoiding, I'm never gonna get, and you guys are probably gonna poo poo this. Well, you know, you won't. George Kittle. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not taking George Kittle in the third round. Off of his ceiling season. He had right. more yards than any tight end has ever had in a single season ever. Anybody. He's not doing that again. He's Here's not the having thing. the same number of catches. He might have more touchdowns, but you look at guys who have had that success and there's been a limited there's been a limited sample size of tight ends throughout the years that have had that many yards over thirteen hundred. The next season typically they drop down four or five hundred yards.
1: I, I will again because what I do is play devil's advocate on this show because I like to be a jerk like that. It's fine. I mean, yes, I know it was an NFL record that he set last year, right? But do we call it a ceiling season for a guy who's only in his third year – on a team that doesn't have a set wide receiver a, a, on the outside, that, that, has a, that has a quarterback and a coach that wants to throw the football a lot, sure, maybe it's not 1377, right? But but why is it ridiculous to think he can get you 11, 1200 yards this year and maybe up those touchdowns? He is the Odell Beckham of tight ends. There's no doubt about it, right?
4: <laughs> but, I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I was kind of in on the early round tight end thing, whether it was Kelsey or Ertz or Kittle, and, you know, I'm kind of been evolving and seeing more value later, and I listened to, to Rick Rich Rebar, our friend from Sharp Football, and he really, you know, kind of pushed me over the edge on this, that there are the upside guys that I can get later and scream if it doesn't work, just like you always do at tight end. Yeah.
3: yeah, that's that's what I've been doing in the draft that I had last night. I ended up with uh, Vance McDonald and um, I believe it was either Delaney Walker. I can't remember. And I'm happy with that. I'll I was going to say I was going to
2: say I have not drafted Zach Hurts pretty much at all this summer. Kittle is one guy. He's he was he's been my number two tight end um, all summer. I've had him over Ertz because I think Ertz's targets fall down. That being said, because we have concerns about Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton, um, Melvin Gordon's falling down drafts. Right to me, it, at the end of the third round, if you're staring at the like, let's first say for example, Marlon Mack versus George
1: Kittle, yeah. like what you're like to me, I I have to at least consider Kittle there. Early in draft season, I was very much on Kittle, um, and I will say this because you know. Now that I have an actual commute and I spend time on the 405 getting to work, I have time to think about these sorts of things. Um, I'm starting to feel sort of about tight end scoring the way I do about quarterback scoring that I feel like, especially at these onesie positions, we have set it up so that you don't have to draft one. You could stream one. Like, again, we need to get to a point where taking the best players out of position. Should be a reward for you. Like, you should Easy. have to actually think about this. The right easiest now. fix is just to add one and a half. Make it one and a half point yeah. PPR yeah. For, yeah. for tight ends. Let me yeah, just, I think, let me I just, think, that I think that that's sense. an easier fix. give
3: you one more thing to, to chew on here before we move on from George Kittle. Yeah. He had the 14th best fantasy season among tight ends based on PPR scoring of all time. So, so there's room to go up. The tight ends ahead of him. Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, Travis Kelsey, Todd Christensen. If you're a millennial, he was a damn good tight end for the Raiders. 46. Had a, and had a great Kurtz, Dallas Clark, Tony Gonzalez, Kellen Winslow, not senior not junior, uh that and Antonio Gates. So you don't you don't he think he is not on that level. You don't think so? He's not Man. on that it's level. Only, he's only been I, in the league for two he's years. not on that I, level. That's right. He's not on that level.
2: I think I think he will eventually say he is, but I'm with you in the sense that like my my, my concern with Kittle has been the same all year. It's just it, How many targets are Pettis, Samuel, all these? They added Hurd, who's gotten
3: rave reviews. Debo has gotten rave reviews. Godwin, uh, you know, Goodwin is still there. I know Pettis, eh, you know, but he's still there as well. So there, there's suddenly a lot of options there, and defenses are going to stop Kittle like they couldn't last season. They will try. There's a film feel, on
1: him. I feel like we've made this argument about a lot of great tight ends over the years. I think know?
0: we have. But <laughs> any,
4: any concerns about the quarterback, though? I mean, the bulk of his work came last year with guys not named Jimmy Garoppolo. Nick Mullins,
1: right? Yeah. 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 So
2: There are people online that think Nick Mullins is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, and I
1: just roll my eyes at those people. I still say we, don't <laughs> really, we really don't know what – Jimmy Garoppolo is just yet. Um, okay, so that was the guys we're avoiding. The guys that we are all in on. Um, and you know, if there's somebody that you really want to pound the table for, we can go around for every cor- every every category, but I just kinda wanna get your thoughts, at least on some of them. Uh Bob, is there a quarterback out there? And I'm thinking guys like after the the fourth round, right? And I know for quarterbacks I guess that means pretty much all of them. for
4: us. I flag planted on Lamar Jackson. I mean, you know, and again, it's always this situation where you can take this guy, reach up for him a little bit if you want him and make sure you get him and then draft the Kirk Cousins, Philip Rivers later and feel like you have somebody who can back you up. But for me, Lamar Jackson is a guy with top five, easily top five potential, given his uh, mobility. And I, I bet he can throw.
1: I got to Well, you know, there's the story now that that he may be throwing the ball 30 times a game. I feel like that might be a little high. That's a little
3: wild to me. That's a little bit high. Yeah.
1: I haven't gotten Lamar Jackson, not because I don't want him, but because he's become the fantasy community's favorite quarterback that, like, he's gone by the time I'm ready to to go after a quarterback.
3: Yeah. My, if I had a dream duo and it wasn't like the elite, right, because I'm probably not going to get the elite based on my draft. I know one of them. It's going to be Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. Right. That's my, that is my, yes, I will take that all day long. Yep. And people might think I'm, I'm too high on Kyler Murray and maybe I am, but I've, I, hey, I love to look at historical data, okay? And the historical data that we have has shown that when a rookie quarterback has made a major impact, it's been because he can run with the football. We've seen it time and time again. Kyler can do that. Had 12 rushing touchdowns last year, over 1,000 rushing yards. And behind that offensive line, he might be running for his life, Graham. Yeah. So that's why I like him so much. Kyler's starting to get cheaper, too, I've noticed. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's starting he to had, fall.
1: Because he had back-to-back right. bad preseason Right, games. that's all it takes. So <laughs> that's all you got to I hate for. David Johnson, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so there they go. Um, Running back. I know, Fabs, you are a running back truther, so I was going to put this out to you. Is there a running back or running backs out there that you at all costs, you know, especially – Again, outside of the first couple of rounds where we kind of know who they are, it's sort of those mid-round to late-round running backs that you feel like you got to get a shot at this See,
3: year. See, I, I was going to mention Chris Carson, but now he's going in like the third round. Yeah,
1: he's kind of blown up lately.
3: Chris Carson has really started to to, to move up draft boards, and you know he, he's sort of a player at this point that if you don't get him, you know, in the top thirty picks, he's going to be gone. And yep. I think for for good reason too. You know, we talked about Tevin Coleman. Again, relationship with Shanahan. Uh, he knows the offense. His most successful fantasy season has been under Shanahan. Uh, McKinnon, who knows? I mean, he could be done for the season. We're not sure. Uh, Darius Geis. I can get him in the middle rounds. He moved up a little bit after that performance, but I've been in touch with him. He feels good. He looks good. He saw most of the carries with the first team offense, right? He he, he is a guy that I feel will lead that team in touches out of that backfield. I get it. Adrian Peterson's a great. He's a Hall of Famer. He's also uh, a little long in the tooth. Let's put it that way. So I, I'm it's like old. It's fine. I'm, I'm targeting. I'm, I'm trying to be political director. I'm targeting uh, Darius. Uh, I also I told you I Tony Pollard. Even know, if I get two three games out of him behind that offensive line, points is points, man. Um, and if I can get him somewhere in the ninth or 10th round, I'll pull the trigger on that and see what happens. Uh, Graham, uh, that's not necessarily ride or
1: die, but it's a right, guy right. that's moved up. Well, speaking of which, though, because Graham, you mentioned this uh, during our live show the other night. I mean, you have you kind of like pushed all the chips in on Mark Ingram right now. Yeah, huh?
2: Mark Ingram is, is my most drafted player. I was going to mention Miles Sanders, too, but I'll start with 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 Ingram. Right. I mean, the Ravens are going to be the most run heavy team in the NFL. They have the second easiest slate of rush defenses uh, according to Warren Sharp's metrics, and when Lamar Jackson took over last year, the Ravens running backs, regardless of who was on the field, they all just went nuts. I mean, they were like they averaged nearly 150 yards per game as a combined unit, had like 25 attempts per game. They were top three, top four in success rate. Mark Ingram is such a perfect downhill thumper for Lamar Jackson's uh, versatile speed, both on as an outside runner as a a stretcher. I, I just I mean, if he's going to get the bulk of that inside 10 work, uh, you know, 50, 60% of the sh- uh, share, of the inside 10 work, he's going to go nuts. One guy I cannot leave my drafts with right now is Miles Sanders though. Um, I, I just absolutely love the appeal in the sixth, seventh round, uh, Jordan Howard outside of his one rookie season has really fallen off. Um, howard averaged over five yards per carry in his rookie season but over his last couple years he's been below four yards per carry success rate and missed tackles force per attempt have both fallen and howard's a notoriously bad receiver too um sanders can do all of those things i i have been hammering sanders as my like rb3 in the sixth seventh round and and i haven't seen his draft costs move up too too much because they've kind of been splitting work during the preseason
1: yeah you know it's funny because i I, at the start of the year um i was a little bit bigger on jordan howard than i am right now as as i've seen things sort of sort of switch out a little bit and there's talk that you know sanders is going to eventually take over that role so i i sort of am with you on that one um Bob, this, this isn't definitely a ride or die running back by any stretch of the imagination, but you mentioned Royce Freeman a little bit earlier, and that's a name that in the last couple of weeks I've started to warm up to a little bit because it just seems like the Broncos aren't really all that excited about giving Philip Lindsay the same kind of workload <clears throat> as he had last year.
4: Yeah, it's a different coach, right? It's it, it maybe a different approach to the game. Old school coach, going to play defense, defensive-minded coach. I think there's some metrics that suggest that Royce Freeman last year, I mean, they don't suggest. I mean, he was top five yards after contact while Philip Lindsay was top five, I believe, yards before contact. Uh, I think, you know, and Freeman was playing pretty well until he got hurt. Right. I mean, it wasn't the full workload that we wanted, but he was playing well. So, I, you know, I don't think he's going to get a full workload. But if you look
3: at where he's going at, I think that I think that makes him pretty valuable. And, and Scott Barrett uh, posted two great columns uh, and it's on the preseason and we get sometimes the preseason get is, is you know, we, we don't look at it too much. But when you look at snap percentages and Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, Lindsay was at about 50 percent. Freeman was about 37 uh, percent during the preseason in terms of playing with the first team offense. So this is going to be a committee. Lindsay's going to lead the committee, but it's going to be a lot closer than it was last season.
2: Yeah. And Theoretic's going to come back up that shoulder injury and probably take a few passing snaps away from Lindsay. It, it, Philip Lindsay's like been the easiest fifth, sixth round fade I think I've I've seen all year.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny too because I think he's fallen to that fifth or sixth round too because he was a lot higher than that early on. I yeah. think people have sort of, kind of caught up a little bit. You know, I think it's, what I think is interesting about draft season, right, is that you know, I think when you start drafting early, people are sort of drafting on the previous year, um, and then we start to read the reports, and then I think what especially happens is that when you get more casual folks who kind of start drafting a little bit later, that sort of evens things yeah. out a little bit. There's
2: a huge edge, like people bitch all the all the time about not drafting too early but like in may philip Lindsay was going before chris carson right i mean if you know what you're doing and you're actually projecting and not just drafting based on last year there's a humongous edge
1: yep there's an edge i think but i think what's what's funny though is that you know on some things we we are a little bit too optimistic about true and something you know there are some things you can get a great discount on when you're drafting True. i mean but that's the thing though was like before the curtis samuel hype he was going in the 10th 11th right.
2: round in may and that's just you're you just gained like no, five, I'm literally five rounds right, I, I think
1: echo.
4: it is the most obvious thing of all and probably why i've been in this business 26 years is i understand this don't draft last year's best team i mean that's not what we're trying to do right and i mean i think people we tend to overlook that easily that
1: i think that's a great quote actually i'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down don't You're draft welcome. last year's best team uh wide receivers i will tell you that uh calvin ridley is a name that just keeps running through my mind when it when it comes to getting guys i mean you know that that late fifth round draft price uh, is is fantastic i mean i i You know, I feel like the the Falcons offense is one of those good offenses that we just don't talk enough about for whatever reason. I think partially because their quarterback is, is good, but sort of boring. Um, you know <laughs> Julio Jones has this weird knock on him they're like hey he doesn't score touchdowns yeah but he gets you like you know 1500 yards like well I mean like, there are things about this offense that are really good and we somehow overlooked them and, and so Calvin Ridley as the number two offense a number two receiver and one of the best offenses around I think is a hard thing to pass up uh, so he's been a guy that I, I have been really really big on uh, yeah I'm afraid
2: I don't have enough Ridley I just think think about it just from a strict like X and O's perspective right Calvin Ridley apparently was was uh dealing with an ankle injury last year yes. trying to play through it and he did julio jones gets so much defensive attention and ridley is probably one of the most precise route runners in the nfl like he's going to get a ton of single coverage on the backside of the falcons offenses and, and when ridley's getting single coverage and can you know just dominate these bo- these other boundary co- inferior boundary corners like he he has top 15 upside like chris i, I People love to draft Chris Godwin, you know, early fourth round. But Calvin Ridley has, I think, a similar range of outcomes as Chris Godwin. He's just not being drafted as such.
1: Yeah. No, I think you're, and one, he, Look, he's on a better team, you know? Yeah. He's on a better team than Chris Godwin. You know, I, Godwin has a higher target upside. I think Godwin could push, like, 135 targets.
2: Ridley's not going to get that much, but, like, he... he the, the offensive quality makes up for it.
1: Offensive quality makes up for it. You know it's it's uh, listening to uh, our, our friend JJ Zacharison recently and and he made a really good point because sometimes I think we we overthink this good offense versus bad offense thing like hey, I don't want too many receivers in a good offense because they're going to have leads and they're going to stop throwing the ball. But he's like, "Well, you know what? In order for them to score all those points, They've got to score all those points, which (laughs) means guys have to catch the football and get in the end zone. So I think sometimes we we think a little bit too much about that. Uh, Tight ends. I mean, are there any tight ends out there, you know, outside of the big three that you guys are really pounding the table for? Or is it like if you just don't get one that you just you just stream them?
3: You know, Evan, Ingram. Evan Ingram is definitely one. That I have a lot. Hunter Henry of O.J. Evan. Howard. Um, but if you're going deeper, like Vance McDonald is someone that uh, I've been looking at target.
2: Bob, all three of us at this table have been just hammering Evan Ingram. Who's who's your guy?
4: Uh, my guys are all hurt. So, all right. <laughs> oh, no. Jordan Reed is a guy that I've, I've just drafted the hell out of. of it. so it's such a crazy discount for a guy. And if you look at it, the, the times he's on the field, the target shares are con- consistent. The yard per catch are consistent. Everything is high end. He's going to be the focal point. Of that passing attack, assuming nobody bumps into him. And, uh, <laughs> and that's the problem at tight end, right? It's a position where you're running routes where people's, uh, the top of their helmets might come into contact with right. your ear hole, and that's going to be an issue. So beyond that, look, I'm all in on Delaney Walker because us old dudes got to stick together. Um, but also because until last year, and it was a broken ankle. Remember, it wasn't like something, you know... Not ligament. Right. It was a, it was just a broken ankle. And so I'm I'm all in on that. The production has been their top five tight end. Uh, I think they at least the previous three years before that. And look, if you want to play for free, there's Tyler Eifert. I know another, you know, the back issue earlier was a chronic issue, a fractured ankle last year. He could be a chess piece. But there's a ton of tight ends down that range. So I don't know if there's an actual ride or die. I do want to go back to wide receiver, though. Smoke, 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 smoke. smoke. John Brown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The price. Just the price. I mean, 12th round for a wide receiver, one with his abilities and and the fact that the skill set matches up so well with what his quarterback does.
2: You were were preaching to my brand right now. we have got a Jordan Reed hit. Who, by the way, was top seven tight end last
1: which year. Right, which I don't mind. Taking, I don't mind taking that shot at him late. In and time. I don't either. John Brown was on a career best pace with
2: Joe Flacco. Yep. And J- I hate. Sorry, Joe Flacco and Denver Broncos fan, but Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Joe Flacco right now. I'm Ooh. sorry.
1: He is. I mean, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. But, he is. Josh, but I just. It just. I don't think Josh I've heard anybody say it out Josh loud. Josh Allen
2: has way more potential. Joe Flacco does like he's he's scattershot well, we, but at least Josh Allen can we, deliver a deep ball now Joe Flacco
4: can't do it he and can't we think of anymore. John Brown as a one-trick pony because that one trick is so great running past everyone on the field is a magical power in the NFL <laughs> but it also creates cushions for yes. the shorter routes and
2: he's
1: very good at those as well John
2: Brown will be very frustrating week to week yeah but he's gonna have some just monster monster weeks with Josh Allen
1: Honestly, and that thing you talk about and I like John Brown too it's also made me feel a little bit Frisky about Cole Beasley too, as that as that security blanket right. there underneath. I'm telling you,
2: man, Josh Allen is never going to be the <clears> most, <throat> most accurate quarterback in the NFL, but second year quarterbacks in the second year of offenses. Well, almost always take at least <laughs> marginal step forward.
4: And remember what they've been preaching to him all offseason. Shorter passes are easier to complete, Josh. Yes. yes. Throw some of
3: those. <laughs> yeah, the, the one thing I have about the the Bills receivers you know, mentioned, Cole Beasley, hey, he's got a soft spot because I'm a Cowboys fan. Because he's a Cowboys fan. And, uh, you know, a couple of seasons ago he had a pretty big uh, campaign, but, you know, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator there uh, in Buffalo, his wide receivers just don't have fantasy success. And Bart, Brandon Marshall is the only player at the position to better, finish better than 35th in points in PPR league. So, I mean, and the targets are not going to be there. There's a lot of guys to spread the ball around. I think all is the that, additions they made are really that, good for Josh I've, Allen.
2: I've heard that, though. I've heard that there's there's a lot of targets. But is there really? Like, it's really just John yeah. Brown and Cole Beasley. They right. don't
3: have a tight end. LaShawn McCoy, Mike. Robert Huttman. Foster and, and Allen had a nice little rapport at yeah. the end of last season, right? So, yeah. you mentioned, you know, Zay Jones, obviously, in the mix there. Cole Beasley in the mix there, too. John Brown, four wide receivers right off the bat. Who's their tight end? I mean, you know, like, you know, maybe that position is not going to make an impact, yeah. but they, they have a lot of guys. Plus, they have at, the, at least at this point, you know, McCoy is going to catch balls out of the backfield. Is TJ Yeldon going to make the team? If he does, he catches balls out of the is backfield. Is McCoy
2: so. going to make the team? Right. I don't know. The we'll see this weekend if McCoy makes
3: it. I really the best case scenario for us would be that uh, running back is cut and signed by the Bucks. And you know what? Even if it's Carlos Hyde. It's going to be a good value for fantasy owners because we're looking at Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones right now.
1: Never has someone done so little with so much.
3: <laughs>
1: I will say this: the thing about Dable too in his offense is because I, I agree. Yes, his receivers have never done much, but I'm going back and I'm looking at the the teams that he was the OC for. Right, he actually had decent running backs. Right, one year he had he had, a, he had Jamal Lewis for one year, sort of you know later in his career. Uh, he had Peyton Hillis during the big Peyton yeah. Hillis year. Uh, he, he had landed Reg- on the Madden cover after he, that. Yeah, he did. He had. Uh, he had
3: Reggie Bush and predictably fell off a cliff Yeah.
1: and Reggie Bush during one of Reggie's 2000 rushing yard seasons. Uh, he had Jamal Charles who ran for 1500 mm-hmm. yards this year. He doesn't have a running back like that. Yeah. So maybe, maybe he has to change course. That's, that's my only thought about that. Uh, all right. Start throws these guys the last round the last couple of rounds that you're looking at that that uh that you're taking a shot at bob you look really excited i'm gonna uh, no,
3: get him i just can i say how excited i am that bob is actually i hear i hear his wonderful voice it's you know two chairs uh over for me typically i'm listening to you on sirius xm <laughs> with mike dempsey it's such a pleasure to have you my friend
4: Ah, uh, thank you very much and so gather out kids it's time to take a ride Ooh, down narrative here we street. go ah, yes. ah. narrative street it is uh look chris conley is a guy i Uh, Look, I don't know what that passing attack going to be. I don't expect much, but there's not a lot of bodies there. We all know D.D. Westbrook is the guy everyone's drafting, but if he gets to the end, I don't care if it's DJ Chark. I'm going with Conley uh, because of the connection with, with Nick Foles. I, I, they worked together in the second team in Kansas City. They built a connection. You know, they absolutely get along. So this is a totally a best ball play. Nobody in season long should be doing this. Maybe in DFS when we break that out, he'll be, there'll be some matchups and some favorable
1: pricing, I'm sure. But for right now, he's a last-round pick for me and my best. Balls. Nice. I actually went through because I'm going through my roster, especially the, the the drafts I did really, really early, and I I think I have Chris Conley somewhere. And so like I looked at it the other day, and I'm like, Ugh. and you saying that makes me feel a little bit better now. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm okay. Um, I have been on Keyshawn Johnson since the combine, and yeah. and I'm and I'm sticking with it, right? Like he, I, I keep saying the same thing. Like he's not he's not as fast as Andy Isabella. He's not a physical specimen like Hakeem Butler but he gets open. He's going to have a huge week one role. He gets open. He gets open. He has good hands. And... You know, I went back, Chris uh, or uh, Cliff Kingsbury during his time at Texas Tech went four wide receivers like 65, 66 percent of the time. Basically a lot. And if he does that in the NFL, we, we know Fitzgerald. We know Kirk. Um, you know, we know those guys are going to be on the field. I think there's going to be a spot for, for Keyshawn Johnson out there. And if they have to throw the football a lot, he's, he's going to get some targets. man. Yep.
2: I've got two and they're both on the same team. And it's it's Debo Samuel and Marquis Goodwin. good one. Uh, this receiver corpse is kind of wide open. Uh, I have no idea how the targets are going to shake out, so I'm not even going to pretend <clears throat> to project that. But Dante Pettis has had a slow uh, slow offseason, slow camp, played well into the fourth quarter with backups in their third preseason game. And the Niners open the year with the Bucks and Bengals. Those are two absolutely mm-hmm. pristine matchups for this pass offense. And we will hopefully quickly figure out how the opportunity is going to split out. And mm-hmm. I-, I want pieces of potentially great pass offenses. And Debo and Goodwin are both available, you know, well into the 16th round of drafts right now.
3: Yeah, yeah. Go. Uh, so, yeah I I've, do I've do got a couple, too. Sure. Uh, Justice Hill is starting to move up for me. I do like Justice Hill. And I, I, d- I also dig Mark Ingram. Like, I loved where he ended up. It's at a perfect spot for him, but I do think Justice Hill could etch out some standalone value during certain weeks. And if anything ever happened with Ingram where he went down with some sort of ailment, then all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who could really be valuable for fantasy owners. And the other one is Devin Singletary. We talk about Lamarcus McCoy and Frank Gore is there as well. Singletary, I feel like could sort of etch out that third down role, passing, passing, uh, you know, downs role. A guy that could maybe be near the top in touches in that backfield behind McCoy, if McCoy actually can stay on the field. But Singletary, at his price, is the only Bills running back that I would draft. And um, McCoy is going off the board in the ninth or 10th round. I still want nothing to do with him. Nothing. Your logic
1: is really sound except for one thing. Yes. Frank Gore is going to live forever. So that's. Ah. Way. <laughs> well,
3: we'll, see, well, we'll see how many carries he gets. That's I true. I say
4: to Frank Gore,
1: child, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there you go. That's our, our last minute draft guide. Hopefully that helps. Hopefully we didn't talk you in too many circles. Uh, you know, bookmark this. Come back to it uh, when you're in the middle of your draft. So it will help. Um. Before we go, of course, uh, the fourth episode of Hard Knocks. Uh, knock on wood if you're with me. Uh, it, it hit our TV screens just recently. Uh, and so I just, you know, as always, I write down a few little takeaways. Uh, first off, the Josh Jacobs watch. Oh? He does not exist. Josh Jacobs is not a real person. I, do, do you think that he
3: just sort of told HBO... I'm, I think it's more than, I think the Raiders, I'm not, said, I'm not, I'm not into being on camera. I think it's I more the, I think the Raiders more
1: like, Hey, stay yeah. away from this guy. The, the, okay. The
2: more that we've unpeeled Raiders hard knocks, it just seems more and more like they've kind of controlled the creative I, direction.
1: I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see, like, I want to see, you know, executive producer Mark Davis. I feel like <laughs> that's sort of how this has shaken out. Uh, Antonio Brown writes left-handed, which I, I caught on. He was, uh, he was at a De La Salle high that's school right. football game. and was signing autographs. And I'm like, Oh, it doesn't really mean anything. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, everything about him is. Um, the Keelan Doss grew up in Alameda is, has, oh. re- has reached... Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard levels yes. now on this show, right? Like, literally, every time they talk about Keelan, it's like, hey, Keelan Doss, uh, reception for five yards. You know, he grew up in Alameda. Like, it, it, it has reached that level at it, this point. They don't really have much else to talk about. Sorry. I guess. <laughs> although, I mean, look, if you know, it's funny, too, because we sort of talked about this, I think, a couple weeks ago. Like, I feel like he should be in line for the hard knocks fantasy bump, right? That's, like he hasn't, uh, I haven't seen I've anybody. i none. Zero. None. Uh, I did see Darren Waller, though, show up on a couple of, of fantasy rosters. He, he should. He should. Um, but, yeah, I feel like Keelan Doss has not gotten the appropriate hard knocks fantasy bump. So I'm, I'm sort of dis- disappointed. Uh, the big thing here, right? John Gruden is a confirmed crazy person. We talked about this, right? right. Like, there's a thin line you you mentioned between intense and crazy, and and Bob, I think I think John straddles that line. Yeah, I'm still working on the hundred backwards by
4: threes. I'm starting out by fives. Who it's a lot easier. This? I know. Who I, that does was my that? original. <laughs> it's like why? Why do you need I was that? That? right. I had a hard time figuring. Like that he
1: said, out. he says like you know, can you count from 100 to zero by threes? My first thought was, but you you can't get to zero. Like you can't get to zero. It'd
4: be one
2: thing if he was like, can you do the alphabet backwards? That's, that's okay. right. All right. Whatever. Right. But
1: like, I feel right, like. Threes? So, you know, we all have our own little personal quirks and things we do and, and think and say, like, this I feel like as this, is, as this is random as anything I've ever but I, but I also feel like this is the thing he does several times a day. Right. Because he just spit it out. Right. You
2: know what it is? Gruden has spent probably so much time just involved around football. It, he's just like he's just fully owned the court. <laughs> I think he's just fully, fully owned them at this point.
1: Um at the end of the episode, he was wearing a hoodie that had the Twitch logo on it. Do we think he knows what no. Twitch is or Zero somebody just gave chance. him that thing?
2: No idea. Somebody just gave it to him. Zero right? percent chance. If he were to watch like a live, like a live gaming event on Twitch, I would love to hear John Gruden narrate a live gaming yes. event on Twitch. Oh,
1: we got to make this happen. We we got to get Gruden as a commentator on Twitch. Listen, man, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Ninja? This guy's name Ninja? That's wild, man. <laughs> um. We learned that his son wants to be uh, an MMA fighter. His other son, like a power lifter? Or? That's Jay's son. Oh, okay, that's
4: Gruden. Yeah. Yes, that's so it.
1: something about the Gruden kids, right. though, right? I like mean, the,
4: Gruden, the no, Gruden offspring. I'm not saying they can't do nothing.
1: They'll, hey, they'll go out and do it. Go out and do it, man. Go out and do it. Uh, I picked out a couple people who need more screen time. Brinson Buckner, for one, Sure. Uh, when late in the episode, when he referred to, he, <laughs> he called another odd defensive lineman a habitual fat person. I almost <laughs> choked. <laughs> he said, you're a habitual fat person. <laughs> I literally almost choked. I thought that was hilarious. And Hello, I, pot. Me, kettle. Right. Exactly. That's another thing. I'm like, look at you, man. Like, but he's had like little bits and pieces within the first few episodes that are always gold. Like, I want more of him. And I also want more of Jason Kabinda's mom. Right. Right, Like, her in the stands watching the game saying, like, they're going to go deep on us. And, like, literally a couple plays later, they go deep and throw a touchdown. Like, I need you. I need you in the booth or something. I need more of you. Because that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then we are four episodes in. There's there are two things. There are four episodes in. We've got no mention of this team going to Las Vegas, which I feel like is kind of a big story. I think
4: uh, the only the clue is Brent Musburger, who's on the gambling yeah. right. network. Right? right. I mean, yeah.
1: That's it. That... Uh and I also was sort of a bent that, you know, we and we saw it in the tease for the final episode was our first Spider Two Y banana mention. <laughs> like we've gone this yeah, far I and about that. nobody has mentioned Spider Two Y Banana. So I think we're gonna get that. I kind of forgot right. about that play call.
2: But um Yeah, you know, it makes me think even more, like that they that the Raiders have had the creative direction here because they don't necessarily want this to be any more bad publicity and I feel like just bringing up the Vegas move is just opening the door I feel
4: like this has been the quietest See, I mean when you're talking about the Antonio Brown we had one episode that was Antonio Brown centric right Right. and and it was amazing it was fantastic I learned a lot
1: Mm -hmm. and uh, otherwise it's just been flatlined yeah, it's just I think maybe part of it is that our expectations were so high when we saw that team and that cast of characters. I mean, they just showed Mark Davis's haircut twice a day, you know, <laughs> I mean, Richie Incognito has been the voice of reason on this show. <laughs> uh, Vontez perfect I think, has made barely any appearances like at all. I don't think he's actually said anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like we've, we've missed a, a big opportunity here. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, hey, Bob, we appreciate you coming by, okay. man. Thank you for fun. having me.
2: Bob, this was awesome. Um, you have been a legend in the space for so long. And as someone for me who's like a young buck, to be able to do this show with you is really cool. Stop that. No, nah, it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so then you guys are, are hanging out with Allison Chains tomorrow night doing that drive. Yeah, you,
3: you want to do the time? Because I do Pacific time and you get mad at me. So go four ahead. Four to New seven Eastern.
4: Eastern time. All right. One to four Pacific time right. where right. I live at some other time. I do. Right. You're uh, the mountain time zone. Right. Like, it I, gets that's, difficult That's so me. much math, man. He's in that. the
3: Walter White time. Zone. Yes,
4: it's more math, but it, it'll be a good time. It's a great, uh, great draft. A lot of entertaining people there, including yeah. Fabs, including The Miz, Jerry Cantrell. So yeah. uh, don't miss it. It's it's uh, it's worth listening to and a great charity. If you want to go yep. to the eBay, yeah. Ch- uh, e- eBay.com
3: ebay. slash Allison Chains, Allisonchains.com Also, uh, we'll have a link to that. Some of the stuff they have on there is like ridiculous. It goes from sports memorabilia to uh, private guitar lessons with Jerry Cantrell, private bass lessons with Mike Inez um, meet and greets with a- uh, anthrax, you know, anthrax, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, Don't good. To I'm just, uh, all right. Uh, great metal band. For those of you who are into that kind of music, uh, which Bob and I are, there's signed memorabilia. There is a signed WWE women's championship belt. Uh, Becky Lynch oh, uh, oh. put her John Hancock on that. So that one's going to going to do well. And Miz also, donated a wwe universal championship belt that's signed by him plus several other wwe superstars who have been the champion so there's a lot of cool stuff on there metal sports check it out and it all goes to a really good cause awesome and tomorrow I'll be streaming everything on my Twitter, so make sure you check that out as yeah. well. Go check it out. Do you think the founding fathers were annoyed by John Hancock that he just literally took up the whole page with his signature? All right, <laughs> like really, like, really, John.
1: Like well, the rest of us got to sign this thing now too. Yeah. So, hey, that's it. We are done. You know how we do this. We appreciate you listening at all times and downloading the show. And you know the drill: tell two friends, to tell two friends, rate, review, and remember. No matter how bad things are, you can always make them worse. So at least you've accomplished something. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>
3: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
2: Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged,
0: resilient, and timeless. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A Redwood Forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.